The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro Collins for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. And we have a new one today, Lewin Metals. ASX code is LM1. And we have the Managing Director with us today, Chris Piggott. To give us a feel for this new company, uh, started trading on March 29 after raising $8 million at 25 cents. That gives the company a market cap of about $15.8 million, which obviously makes it nicely leveraged to future exploration success. The focus is uh, Canada for nickel, copper, PGEs and lithium, and it's also got some lithium and rare earth projects in Australia. So a bit to run through here, so we'll get on with it. G'day, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. G'day. How's it going? Good. Uh, Chris, given you're uh, obviously well-known in the industry, you've worked for some big-name companies there, but I was just, uh, just so listeners can get a feel, tell us a bit about your professional background. So I'm a geologist by training. I've done open pit, underground, gold, iron ore, and nickel copper. So a good mix for someone, you know, from Western Australia, seeing kind of, you know, the broad spectrum of projects from, you know, earlier stage to mining. And um, yeah, that's kind of a bit about me and really interested and and driven to make discoveries and create value for shareholders. And that's kind of what motivated us to start Lewin. Now, just on Lewin, uh, the formation, uh, there's a bit of a history behind the company. Yeah, so about a year and a half ago, we were sitting down and we've got the board there. Scott Williamson's uh, Ned, Simon Jackson's the chair, and mm-hmm. we've got a couple of other guys, uh, Nick Catrus, Max Harden, and, and, and Daniel Osterman as well has come on board. We're essentially sitting down going, you know, what, what should we be doing with our time? And we were like, well, let's try to do do something. And clearly critical metals, critical minerals, that's that's really where we're heading and that's the future. And I think we all sat there and said, you know, look, let's have a go at this. And then from there, we all kind of got on board with it when it was just more of a concept. And we just started doing a bit of review for projects and you go, well, naturally you get drawn to North America. There's a lot of government support. There's, you know, a lot of supply chains there, even things like flow through uh, premium charity funding is available to to, Mm -hmm. to mining exploration companies. And so kind of, it was a natural fit for us. And then when we started to review projects for the nickel, we were initially focused on nickel projects and we kind of looked at it and go, well, if you're looking for nickel in North America, you really can only be in kind of two spots, more or less, being Sudbury, one of them, and the Thompson Belt, the other. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is a few other mines around. You've got Raglan, Boises Bay, and a few other plays that, that happen. But from a historical point of view, most of the production of nickel in North America is either from Sudbury or the Thompson Belt. And so we found our William Lake project in the southern part of the Thompson Belt. And that's kind of you know where we ended up today. It didn't really kind of take too much you you kind of start with a concept and work it up and find a project you like and we found a willing seller and we were able to meet along the way and do all our kind of milestones and that's what led to Lewin being what it is today being listed and in the meantime we also pegged some of our own projects as well. And you've touched on uh, William Lake there obviously the uh, flagship project at this stage Manitoba Canada a uh, bit of a history there with Falcon Bridge which was taken over by Extrata which was in turn taken over by Glencore at some stage 
which we should probably just wrap up on that point, Glencore is actually a 9.97% foundation shareholder in Lewin. Yes, they are. And that all kind of came about because of the history of the project. Uh, Glencore was there through, you know, various kind of, you know, the Falcon Bridge uh, relationship that you touched on. Mm. And so we kind of brought the project off a junior in the gold space and Glencore was there in like a very minor part in the background and we started chatting to them and they essentially kind of were pretty happy with what we were doing and what we were trying to do on the project, uh, reinvigorate an old project, test drill targets and, and see where we can grow the project to. And as part of that discussion, we formed uh, like a pretty good relationship about what we're doing and we kind of came to an arrangement whether they're, they're just under 10% shareholder. And on top of that, we, we've also got a technical committee with them as well. So that kind of, you know, gives us a bit of technical insight from their, their perspective. There's not many experts in nickel around the world and they are one of them. They have a lot of infrastructure in North America and Sudbury and their smelters and mining. So I think for our point of view, it's a really good relationship and a way to leverage off a lot of experience that they have and can bring to the table uh, and, and, you know, come a success scenario as well, help us along the journey. So it's a really good outcome for Lewin shareholders. Just to uh, finish up on Glencore, there last year they produced 107,000 tonnes and marketed 263,000 tonnes of nickel. So, yeah, you'll think uh, there's not many uh, others out there who would know as much about nickel as uh, Glencore does. Now, um, Falcon Bridge was uh, exploring there in the 90s, in the, the mid-2000s, uh, came up with some uh, nice hits. Uh, we're talking sulphide nickel mineralisation here with some copper and PG hits. So the William Lake project, it's a nickel sulphide project in the southern part of the Thompson Belt. We've got over 500 square kilometres of tenure. We can drive there. It's a few hours north of the main capital city in Winnipeg, uh, in Manitoba called Winnipeg. Uh, so you fly into Winnipeg and you drive up. It's kind of like driving along the Nullarbor or whatever, roads like that, really good roads. There's high, um, high voltage power lines that source power from the hydroelectric system there. I mean, even when we got to the project for the first time, we, we had phone reception. So it's a really kind of easy place to work from that point of view. And I think from a junior's point of view, really important. So we don't need helicopters. Mm. Uh, we can get drill rigs to site relatively easy. Uh, it just means that your hurdle is like a lot lower than what some other these other nickel uh, projects are in Canada that can be quite remote. And we thought that was a really important part of being a junior to make sure that money is spent in the ground. But what we actually bought, we bought 152 or so holes. It was 90,000 metres of drilling there. So it was a really data-rich environment that gave us the confidence to progress the project. And, and we kind of knew what we were kind of buying early on just because of the existing data set we had available to us. Yeah. And you think about what the replacement cost of that would be today. It's, you know, Falcon Bridge are out there for over a decade. So there's obviously that time factor. But, you know, you're talking tens of millions of dollars yeah. um, of expenditure that we're able to tap into. And within that data set, we had a look at it and said, well, you know, this is really attractive because there's drill hits like 12 metres, 12.7 metres at 1.8%. Nickel with half a gram palladium, 7.8 at 1.7% nickel, 17 metres at 1.48% nickel. We also see a bit of PGEs in the system and mm. that really has been underdone by the previous kind of explorers and very localised data sets. So we know that when we see one-ish percent nickel, we can get up to one gram per tonne PG in there mm. or more. And we've got a resampling program underway for those PGE reassays. And we think it's a really um, interesting way to view the project and take more of a polymetallic approach and see what if you can sweeten the overall grade as well, utilising those PGEs. But, you know, we have multiple prospects at William Lake. 
you know, our, our kind of more focused target area early on will be this prospect called W56. It's a three kilometer long body. It's up to 200 meters wide. A lot of the drilling there is on 100, 150 meter spacing. So very broad spacing. And when you look at most nickel systems around the world, they're just, you know, they don't have that big a strike usually. Um, and the fact that we already have that mineralized system there is a really big advantage for us. And in a kind of, you know, in summary, what really drew us in was the grade and the scale. And you look around the world for nickel projects and it's very hard to find nickel projects that have both of those factors. And William Lake ticks both of those boxes for us. So really excited to see where we can take it and hopefully make a discovery of, a, you know, a pretty significant nickel resource in time. Well, you've just answered one of my questions I was going to ask. Uh, has it got some scale to it? Clearly it has. Um, and you mentioned uh, one of the uh, prospects there, but uh, are there others on the tenure? Yeah, so W56 will be our initial focus early on, and that's the three-kilometre long body, as I discussed. But we also have these other couple of prospects at W22, W21. So at W22, we're seeing similar drill hits like that. 7.8 metres at 1.24% nickel, 157 at 1% nickel with about a gram per tonne palladium, half a gram platinum. And there's also 9.8 at 1.5% nickel. So again, very good nickel hits, decent widths, decent grade. We're seeing PGEs there. Hasn't been fully explored for the PGEs. And when we do the reassays and get those results back, we'll get more of a feel on the scale of the PGE system as well. Um, you know, and you look at a lot of companies now exploring there almost seems to be a bit of a renaissance in PG exploration. And I think when you look at a, a metal contained sense, they can they can add quite a nice kick to the overall nickel grade as well. So it's a real kind of value add that we can do relatively early, relatively cheaply. And we're tapping into that existing data set that we have available to us already in all the drill holes that we have. So that's kind of, you know, validates why we kind of purchased the project. When you find these kind of data-rich environments, you can always squeeze a little bit more information out of what you what you have. Okay, so what's the forward plan there? Yeah, so at William Lake, the plan is to get drilling. So we've got drill permits underway, and we should, we, you know, we're working towards drilling in the first month or so of listing. So hopefully by the end of ne oh, this month now, uh, we want to have a drill rig on site. So we're really excited by that. And there we'll be targeting up dip along strike extensions of the W56 trend focusing on the grade of the system. So that's where the initial holes are getting designed for. Uh, we think that, you know, we go and test the high grade component of the system. That'll also give us a really good platform to leverage off, you know, modern exploration tools, such as downhole geophysics and revisiting a project that really hasn't been explored for about a decade. And you kind of go, well, there's a lot of things that have changed in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, in this sense, you have tools like Leapfrog and then the computing power, the ability to process geophysical models can really give you some insights when you're exploring these, these environments. And I think from our point of view, that's another reason that got us really excited about the project is there's a lot of technical merit here. There's a lot of scale we're seeing grade there, but it hasn't really been looked at in this kind of modern environment. And then you layer on the, the fact that we have hydropower at our doorstep. You've got the geopolitics of you know, nickel and PGEs in the world as well as the emerging demand from battery battery makers and the, the desire to have batteries made from products produced in North America that qualify for that Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, so I think, you know, you layer all those factors on technical and kind of commercial, it's, uh, it's a good time to be exploring for nickel in Manitoba. And, you know, specifically the Thompson Nickel Belt, which is a, 
you know, historically a very prolific nickel belt in, in Canada. And of course, we should mention the nickel price nice and strong at uh, 23200 a US a tonne or US $10.52 a pound if you prefer. So plenty of incentive there at uh, that price and uh, who knows where it will go with this uh, EV thematic uh, continuing to gather pace. All right, so that's uh, the immediate focus with the drill bit. But um, the, the next project in line would be what, the GenPEG lithium project also in Manitoba? Yes, yeah, so we have another project in Manitoba in the GenPEG project. Uh, people don't really realise this, but historically, uh, you know, until probably a couple of weeks ago, Manitoba was the only place that had a lithium mine. Uh, there's the Tanko mine down there in the southern part of the province. So there's a long history of mining in Manitoba and there's a long history of lithium mining, uh, which is a really kind of interesting, you know, little fact about the region, right? People think of uh, lithium in, in Canada and they think Quebec and Ontario, but really there's a, there's a long history of this in Manitoba. And that kind of leads on to how we actually found the project. So last year we had bought the lithium project and we were starting to do the process of packaging up the company for IPO. But in the meantime, we decided to do a bit of a review for lithium prospects and, and projects in, in Manitoba. Uh, with the history there in Manitoba, it was like, well, we should probably do a bit of a review. We have a little bit of a first mover advantage here. Let's go out there and stake some ground if we think it's interesting. And what we ended up finding was this prospect. It was called, it, we literally staked this thing called Spodumene Island, which we were pretty chuffed about. But what it really drew us in, there was 23 drill holes, two and a half thousand metres, and they'd intercepted pegmatites you know, 15, 20 metres wide in drilling and they'd logged spodumene there, but they hadn't assayed for it. And it was actually drilled by the company that owns the, the tin tantalum lithium mine, uh, Tanko. And so we, we thought, well, there's obviously LCT type pegmatites here, there's tin, there's tantalum, but no lithium assays. And we were like, this is pretty interesting. So we expanded the staking footprint over 600 square kilometres now, giving it a bit more of a regional play. And in the meantime, we found Fortunately, we were, we were lucky enough to find the historic core. It was actually housed in the Manitoban Core Library uh, in, in Winnipeg. So we recently kind of went back up there and resampled some of that core. So we were able to sample two of those holes. We, we went up there uh, probably about a month ago, just before PDAC and visited the core yard. And we looked at the core and yes, there's, there's you know, obvious spodumene, which is really exciting. And those samples are now off in the lab and we should get some re uh, results back from that in the next month or so as well. So it's a really interesting Greenfield's earlier stage uh, lithium play. Uh, that again, we were drawn to the scale. We were able to stake quite a large area. We already know that from the drilling, there's pegmatites there in the drilling. Uh, additional research and digging through old reports, we found some historical channel samples Again, they're kind of like rock chips or the equivalent of that. And from there as well, we found two rock chips that were, well, channel samples that were particularly um, interesting. So where the drilling was, there's drilling there and there, one of the channel samples there is seven metres at 1.7% lithia. And then you go about three and a half k's away and along strike and there's another channel sample that's seven metres at 1.45% lithia. So between up to 20 metre wide pegmatites and the drilling, confirmation of outcropping, you know, geochemical rock chip channel samples showing pretty reasonable lithium grade. You go along strike three and a half kilometers and you're seeing the same type of geology continue with the seven meters at 1.45% lithia. Uh, it's a really interesting project. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot more work that we can be doing there to kind of 
build up a bigger scale story here and, um, you know, see where it goes from there. And we're really excited that, that we are able to do this through internal generation in project generation. And it's a really attractive project and we're really kind of itching to see what those assays come back with. Um, so it's a good project to be exploring and, you know, being in Manitoba, it's a pretty cold place. So currently it's a bit snowed under, but come the summer months, we'll be out there doing some, doing some sampling and building up a bit of a bigger picture on it, on some geology and, and mapping and, and things like that, and hopefully progressing to drill permits down the line. So just before leaving uh, Canada, you do have a, another lithium project down in uh, Ontario. It's uh, Ignace, is that how you pronounce it? Ignace? Yeah, mm? that's it. It's not too far from the uh, Thunder Bay, the town of Thunder Bay, which yeah. is, you know, there's quite a few Australians exploring there. Are they ever? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've got a, quite, quite a few peers in the region. We ended up staking this this little project. It's a really relatively earlier stage. And what we found is there's, there's historical mapping showing lots of pegmatites. There's a few prospects around the place um, that have lithium occurrences. And we thought it was a pretty interesting project to go and stake ourselves. So we did that as well last year. And it's it's earlier stage, but it just enriches the, the portfolio as well. So obviously we're focused on our Manitoban projects, mm. but this Ignace project in Ontario is a really nice complementary project that we have to our core project over there. And again, it's much of the same flavor you know, EV critical metal type projects and, and it kind of fits the profile of what Lewin's trying to do. And we'll just tick that in the background as well in the summer months and, and see where that comes up as well. Again, relatively cheap and easy to work. You can drive to the project. You've got access to kind of a provincial highway not far from where we are. It's near a town. It's not too far from Thunder Bay and there's a lot of interesting stuff happening there as well. So look, we'll see where that kind of what throw what gets thrown up there, and you know we'll be exploring that in the summer months. Uh, you're obviously uh, Perth based. I was just wondering how how does a junior manage you know the Perth head office with projects in Canada? Yeah, so that's kind of part of the the value proposition in a sense as well. So we you know we've seen this quite a few times as Australian companies they go to Canada find a Canadian project. Um, you know, obviously there's some difficulties on the TSX with getting value and getting uh, fundraising away and making sure you can raise the, the capital required to do the work, whereas the ASX is a bit more buoyant and a bit more supportive of these type projects. Mm. And that's essentially how, you know, we've tapped into that as well. Um, that's kind of another reason why we were looking to North America. Um, but fortunately for us, we've got a couple of people that live over there. Our exploration manager and chief geologist are both based in Canada. They live right. there. Mm -hmm. um, so they've got... They've got deep roots in Canada. Our VP of X, Daniel, he actually has worked in the Thompson Belt for a very long time in Manitoba. He lives not too far from the town of Kirkland Lake, um, and he's a geologist by training, but he worked in projects. He's worked on projects that are directly uh, like north of where William Lake is, mm -hmm. um, working in Manitoba, having firsthand experience in dealing with the various people and, and communities out there as well as knowing how to work in the conditions because it is quite a different yeah. work environment than the hot Pilbara or the gold fields. Mm -hmm. um, so it requires, you know, that specific skill set. But I think between Daniel and our chief geologist, Marcus, we've got, you know, enough firepower to, to execute the programs that we are telling people about. And we, you know, fortunately, we were able to get a really successful IPO away last week. We got the $8 million that we need and uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, spending that prudently in, in Canada. Uh, from what can be 
one of the coldest parts of the world, Canada, to one of the hottest parts of the world, Marble Bar in WA, lithium. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, quite a contrast. <laughs> uh, we'll have to give a walk. You know, we go to Canada and you're kind of freezing and shaking in your boots, but, you know, you hop to Marble Bar and you kind of it's scorching one of the hottest places in the world, like you said. Yeah, so we initially staked this, this ground really early on, as well as our Gascoigne project. And again, that same flavour of project, same flavour of metals. Uh, so we did a bit of a review. There's obviously the Global Lithium have their project up there at Archer in Marble Bar, and we staked some ground around around there. We thought it was a really interesting place to be exploring for. There's even companies like Kalamazoo and stuff doing exploration out there with their SQM joint venture. So there's really kind of, there's a bit of activity in the region. And, you know, clearly from a historical point of view, the Pilbara is a world-class region to be producing lithium from. Um, so we thought it was a good way to kind of get a foothold in and tap into an earlier stage project that we staked ourselves. And we'll just have the expiration on going through there. Um, we've got our kind of part of our IPO, we have use of funds and we do have funds allocated to these projects as well that we'll be, we'll be chipping away in the background as well while we focus on Manitoba. But that also applies to the Gascoigne project. So this is a really interesting project, not too far from Kingfisher. Um, again, the Gascoigne is a bit of an emerging province. And it's a really interesting place to be exploring. We've we've done some rock chipping out there. Essentially, the project is greenfields, right? There's, the whole province is extremely underdone for lithium and rare earths. And so you go to these projects and you do a bit of review. And yes, there's information on gold or base metals, but essentially there's nothing on lithium and rare earths. And you look at the success of the explorers in the region, and there's a lot of people finding rare earths and lithium out there. Um, hopefully we can replicate it. So we pegged a bunch of ground out there, over 350 square kilometres in the Gascoigne region. We've done some rock chipping and we've found uh, pegmatite swarms, which is really encouraging. We've also found um, anomalism of tantalum and tin. So very encouraging for early stage where we're at and come kind of the, the cooler months, we'll be out there doing soil sampling, rock chipping, and a bit of mapping and things like that, building that project up as well. And it's like all these projects, they, they're designed to enrich the portfolio. Um, clearly, the stuff in Manitoba requires more money and will be the focus from that point of view. But it's really great to have, you know, projects of merit filling up the pipeline as well. And we just work them on. And uh, who knows where they end up? That's the, that's the joy of exploration. Absolutely. Okay, Chris, you've outlined a very interesting portfolio there. And the company's obviously... Uh and active and well-funded with a, an advanced nickel project uh, there in uh, Manitoba as well as um, assays coming in soon from the uh, lithium project there. So Yeah, we're really um, driven to deliver results to market, right? So we understand that that's the value proposition. So we like to hit our timelines. We like to execute what we say we're going to do. So we're just really focused on doing work on the ground and spending money in the ground and, you know, see where it ends up. Fantastic. Okay. Well, with that, Chris, thanks for your time today. Um, wish you uh, all the best with it. Sure, it will go well, and we'll be watching with interest. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Cheers.